welcome to the Burnup Podcast, where we discuss all things agile software development and delivery. We will be giving you an honest take on tools and techniques. We'll share our experiences, debunk myths, and hopefully provide needed inspiration. Hi, I'm Todd Anderson, Consultant Delivery Manager. I've done just about every job in IT, from tech support, programmer, network security, project and program management. I can't say I've done everything, but I've seen a lot. And I'm Marcel Britsch, digital consultant, business analyst and product owner. I've worked in digital before this even had a name, and since have been quite a bit around the block. And this is my way of giving back to the industry. So sit back, relax and settle in for this week's episode. A quick note before we start, what you may want to do is go to the show notes and view the Lean Inception flow diagram as this visualizes the process we'll be discussing. So welcome to another episode of The Burn Up. Today I'm talking to my colleague Swati Padar again. Um, She's like an old timer on the podcast, spoken to her a couple of times before. And today we specifically want to talk about lightweight inceptions, what our experience with inceptions generally is and why we think that maybe there is a a good way of doing them fairly quickly and painlessly um, and still get most of the benefits. Swati, since we've spoken last to you, a lot of things have changed in your life. Definitely. I'm in Berlin now. Woohoo! Ooh, that means for good, for work, or just for holiday? For work, for good, I hope. Exciting. Can you talk about the current company you're working with? Yeah, sure. Uh, It's called Hexad, and it's basically a consulting firm. And it's a different role. I have joined in as a product manager. Yeah. different responsibilities. And yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's only been a couple of weeks. Um, Still a lot of things to learn. So Mm. hope it's good. And of course, being German, I can appreciate it that you finally made it into, <laughs> <laughs> into Germany. Um, also, I hear, and I think this is maybe a nice segue into what we want to talk about, is I hear you guys are massively agile and lean, right? That's kind of what Hexad seems yeah. to be kind of yeah, doing. Whoever joins in, basically, they have a little uh, onboarding of sorts where they actually say that they want to go lean and they would not compromise on such value. Ooh. So that's actually very interesting. Not our, they, like they are devoted to this. Basically. Nice. Swati, you've also, when you work with ThoughtWorks and of course, when you work with Equal Experts, you've been part of a number of Inceptions. And I believe you've run Inception just last week. More about that uh, later in the show. And um, I myself have certainly run more discoveries and Inceptions than I can remember. In fact, before we go into the detail, let me just quickly get something out of the way. Namely, the difference between discovery and Inception is that is frequently a source of confusion. And uh, we should maybe clarify some terms here. So when I hear discovery, for me, and I think this is how a number of people I've met think about this as well, is that technically speaking, you have kind of three stages of a project. And whether they're stages, like some people get worried when we talk about stages because they think it's waterfall, right? But they're, they're kind of more logical, logical kind of stages. So where you find the thing you want to do, you define your whatever the thing is you want to do. What, should you put, be putting money, effort, investment into this thing, whether this is a value stream or a proposition or anything, yeah. but, but should you be doing this in the first place? Maybe you ask even earlier, you're like, what is the right thing to do? And then in Inceptions, in my experience, you have that covered. And what you do is you just make sure that to now get going, you have everything you need in place. Right. And then when you deliver, of course, that's your third step, then you implement, you operate, you learn and you feedback. And you need to get all these things right. Now, the thing with Inceptions, it's, let's talk about Inceptions. In your experience, why do you think people do Inceptions? Because you could argue, well, we've got a good team, they know how to 
deliver, we have a good idea. Why do we need to do inceptions? I think inceptions are a way to bring everybody on the same page, which includes mm. stakeholders, the team, um, more importantly, stakeholders. Also helps us prioritize things, identify which are goals. And you remember the, the thing I was doing with one of our clients, helping them build an yeah. entire inception capability. The entire thing really was help us align people. That was basically the biggest thing for them. Yeah, uh, yeah, that is the biggest thing. The inceptions also help you identify dependencies that you hadn't maybe thought about before. Very true. Yeah. So, you know, I also identify risks involved with those dependencies mm. so if we summarize what an inception is for and i couldn't more strongly agree with you i mean ultimately i think you can all bring it down to reducing risk all sorts of risks by all the stuff you've just mentioned it's about aligning people then our colleague dave hewitt who was also on the on the podcast and mm-hmm. um, he always talks about shared context yeah which is again aligning right making sure where everyone's coming from why we're doing things and then as you say an idea of of scope so we've started off where do we want to be mm-hmm. um how much do we need to do that's kind of scope coming in there and then as you said dependencies context context risk that's kind of like the as is landscape and then goes also into the to be landscape of like how how the fuck do we get there and then interesting i i gave a talk with uh, our other colleague neha uh, two weeks ago now mm-hmm. and we made this example where we said we, we were working with a client funnily there is a, a where a product owner or some senior exec comes to you and says i want you to do this project and you ask them why and they say well it's because we want to expand into new markets or we want to mm-hmm. be more efficient and then you look a little bit more around what, what else is happening in the company. And in, in many of these cases, I've been recently involved with, there always appeared some private equity guy then in the picture. And that guy is like, oh, I want to do an IPO. Or I want to go to, you know, I want to sell this company off. Uh, and then suddenly your priorities and your objectives shift yeah. from build us the perfect, <laughs> you know where I'm going, right? Build us this perfect, there, beautiful, scalable thing, right? And, and whereas the VC guy is like, I just want a polished not a polished turd, but it could be really, for them, it could be anything under the hood as long as it looks good. And understanding these things early, aligning everyone on this is very, very important. Yeah, I can actually tell you another funny story. Um, this is with one of our other clients where we ran an inception. And um, we said at the beginning, have you got everyone in the room to make decisions? And uh, have we got everyone in the room who knows the details? And everyone's like, yes, yes, yes. So the senior exec, our sponsor, uh, he came into the room. And at some point, we needed to make a decision of whether we wanted to go for long term scalability or for cheap and quick mm-hmm. and at that point he paused and we're like oh we thought you had an idea and he's like yeah just reconsidered i think i need to let me step out quickly so he steps out of the room gets his mobile phone out comes back into the room <laughs> he's like oh i just had to call uh one of our board level members to ask so he apparently had to call the chief technical officer and um that guy had said to him no doubt clearly long-term scalability go for it and we're like cool okay let's go down that route And then he pauses again. And two seconds later, I kid you not, he's like, oh shit, I need to step out again. Goes out, pulls his mobile out, gives someone else a call, comes back in. I've just called the COO and asked him. And that guy had very, very different priorities for him. It's like, I need to sort out a short-term problem I have, get this out quickly, don't care about scalability. And at that point, we're like, why are these two people not in in the room with us here? Because we couldn't get them on the phone together. Maybe they didn't want to talk to each other or whatever it was. They were super busy. But we basically, at that point, had to pause the inception. We were like, we, we cannot proceed without this. And that inception is still on, on, on hold, has been for the last couple of weeks. Because um, wow. yeah. on the other hand, maybe it was a good idea to put it on hold because we could have gone down three months down the line building something, right? And then realized. Yeah, no, holding it was the right thing to do. And I think we discussed this ages back and something you had mentioned that without the right people, there is there's no point.
to go back to the lean interaction center, there is a, um, and it will be in the show notes, link in the show notes. Uh, we have a playbook uh, which discusses inceptions in great detail, discusses all this stuff around who you need and how you plan one and how you do one, et cetera, et cetera. It's quite an in-depth piece. But today we wanted to talk about lean inceptions. So while you can run inceptions over a week, as you just said, uh, I've done them over a week. I've done two or three weeks. I've even done three months inceptions. There is also something to be said about doing this much quicker. I see this more frequently and I wonder whether you see this as well, where teams are like, look, we've just got to do this three months piece of work, a new feature, a new work stream, and they don't know where to go right now. So that's where I run inceptions with them. Is that something you, you would consider doing or you have done? This week at my new firm, we did a inception. It's an existing product, but they want to add in a couple of more features. They got okay, as yeah. feedback from their customers. And it was, believe it or not, a three hour. That was it, basically. Just three hours yeah. sitting down together. Nice. Yeah, brainstorming and- together. And we asked them to uh, define the vision for the, ah. what they want to build. What is the objective of doing it? And then we just went straight into what do you want to achieve? Where do you see this going in, say, just like six weeks, eight weeks? And then we defined goals. And then for those goals, we did use cases. And it was scope effectively, right? Yes. Yeah. This was one of the quickest ones and useful and nice to be Mm. honest. I was recently part of a very similar inception, um, this one over two and a half days, where we um, wanted to explore with one of our clients who was in the process of rebuilding a legacy platform and at the same time had a very tight deadline for onboarding one of their new customers onto the platform, whether we could on one hand onboard the client onto the platform while at the same time use the onboarding team to already adopt new ways of working and the paradigms of the new platform. The team had worked with this client before, so we knew roughly what the landscape looked like. So this wasn't an inception where you start with nothing. Um, but the same time, it was a little bit like, hey, well, like, what are our goals? Let's agree as a team on this and then do a little bit of, of scoping. And so there is a diagram in the show notes, which I suggest you guys look at. In the actual inception playbook, we have this massive diagram, which is quite complicated about like how we do inceptions. And our point is always that inceptions are very, very contextual. And, you know, you may need certain things for certain initiatives and other things for others. So we give the kind of the full bigger picture. But then we realized, actually, in many cases, especially these shorter inceptions that go for a week or maybe even two days, or as you said, maybe just a couple of hours. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's kind of the same thing we do, right? And if we look at this, so you said there, you started uh, with a vision, right? And then you quite quickly said you went into goals. And that's mm-hmm. kind of our first two steps. So basically, what we want to know is where do we want to be? And how, how did you do the vision? What did you, what did you do? Because in my uh, little world, each step is basically a tool or a canvas. So I use the classic vision, vision canvas and then goals. I would do OKRs. And what did you do in your inception? So for the one we did this week, because they already knew their product it we didn't have to do anything much you know this is an interesting one to say that because what i do find and i think you make actually a really good point if at this stage you need to define from scratch your vision Mm. most likely you should be in a discovery you should be in the inception the vision really here is more like do we have one do we know where this goes and if we Maybe it's in our heads, but then we, we quickly write it down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, as you said, there are warning signs if you don't have it. And then the goals, again, the overall goals from an organizational perspective should be set at this stage. But what you might want to do, I guess, which is maybe what you've done as well. So we defined very clear release goals. So we said, for instance, yeah. for our integration project with a new client onto the platform, we said, well, the first goal is to give the client after a week something they can quickly integrate and start building against. Mm -hmm. And then in three months time, they would have 
the full service available that is actually functional and they could start pushing a single trade through that through that service. That's kind of the goals we defined. I'm not sure whether you had something very similar in your inception where you defined goals at that level for your team. For them, they wanted to migrate data from another system. Yeah. So that was one of the goals that was mentioned. So we did not discuss ah. migration in detail, but we knew that it's one of the goals. And then we discussed, when do you want to do this? Right. So if we look at the first row, so we've got goals, we said vision. So where do we want to be? Measurable goals. As I said, I like OKRs. And then there are three other things we sometimes do. But again, you don't have to do them. It depends on how much background or detail and alignment you need. So strategic drivers. So this is the stuff where I mentioned earlier the example with a private equity guy and yeah. the IPO can come out. So why are you doing this project in the first place? Something might be like, well, we see a lot of consolidation in the market or we've been acquired recently. Or I could imagine with your automotive client, they see a lot of stuff happening. You know, some of the stuff Tesla is doing, they're like, oh, we should be doing the same thing. Or they see customers asking for whatever, being more digital. And, and so I think there is a lot of feature requests coming your way being driven by market demand so that's the stuff here and i think this is really good to know for the teams because yeah. then they know why they have to make certain decisions uh, and then project sliders that's basically your quality versus time versus scope a framework for making choices and prioritizing well so if this is all about time so my client with the platform said to us well money isn't an issue but we have this deadline drop dead deadline with our client they yeah. can't integrate at this point in time. They'll be really pissed off. And also, we need to make sure that they don't have to make any changes after they have integrated with us, right? Oh. So we can't just do something where we're like, this is 90% right. And then later on tell them you have to make some changes. Now, this is not ideal, but this is the contract that was drawn up and we're subject to that contract. But that means we approach this differently. And he said to us, look, if we need to double the team size, if this is a reasonable thing to do, which it may not. But if we have to do that, that's not the problem that we can do. And that, that gives you good, good guidance. Um, and then the yeah. final thing is what keeps you up at night. Uh, I quite like doing that. Uh, I find it lightens the mood. And also it gives really good insights about like, why can't stakeholders or people in the room not sleep? And you might find stuff from technical teams or product people or could be anything, yeah. right? Yep. Cool. So the next thing then, context. So context for me is understanding the as-is landscape. So the classic things you would do there is you would either, if you didn't understand a business at all or you were building a business, you would use a business model canvas. I only do that when, as a consultant, I'm coming into an entirely new business and I have no idea what they do or I want to know a little bit more what the building blocks are or I'm helping a startup to build up. But in the case of where there is a team and it's understood what the, how the business operates, you may not want to do that. Context yeah. model and stakeholder matrix or map are good models to have to articulate a little bit. How does, does this fit together? It's, yeah. it's a bit like the business model canvas, but more technical, I would say. And then stakeholders is, of course, people. And I've said to some of my colleagues, a stakeholder model can just be a bullet pointed list of people, right? It doesn't yeah. have to be a visual <laughs> model, right? Right, yeah. And, and, and again, it's worth just talking about it. Maybe that's what, pretty sure you may have touched on this. And you just said, look, is there anyone else we need to consider? And people were like, no, right. we know everyone. Yep. Done. Or, oh, shit, we never talked to the InfoSec guy. Maybe we should include whatever his name is. We should include him next time. And that's what this exercise is about. Definitely, yeah. And then you've got the value proposition canvas and an experience map. Now, these two, they're more like customer user focus, where right. you understand what do they want, what features should be provide to them, how do the interactions at the touch points look like. Now, I'm pretty sure that in your world, I would be worried if someone hadn't done that for you already at discovery stage, because you're building features and 
you said there was some research and feedback given. So that must be built on something, right? So I'm pretty sure that these models in some shape or form exist. Oh, yes. So I think it depends a little bit on the type of project. I would suggest that every bigger user-centric project has certainly has an experience map. But again, if you're on a running team that is just building features, you may not need them. And especially maybe if you're on a more technical project, again, if you are really certain that whatever you're doing is the right thing to do, you may be able to ignore that kind of bit. I mean, with the guys, it was interesting. So with the platform project I've just accepted, we were initially told that it's just APIs we have to build. Okay. Um, and then people are like, why do we need an experience map? I'm like, well, an API mm-hmm. is just another means of doing something, right? So there are still human people at the end of either thing, even if it's just system-to-system integration. But because a lot of the process was totally existent and we were really only rebuilding the APIs in the middle. We didn't have to worry about that process massively because we weren't also not allowed to affect the overall process. So at that point, you don't really need an experience map until we realized that the onboarding process wasn't defined at all and was very manual at the moment. And we might want to build the user interface for that and might want to redefine that process at which stage we said, "Mm, maybe we should have an experience map around that part of the process. Right. Cool. And then, so having understood where we want to be and what the landscape is, we then look at uh, the solution. And you want to understand a little bit like what are you doing and in which priority order. Mm-hmm. So I use story mapping a lot. That just helps. So you map out your, your journey at the top and then below you, you map out your epics at this stage or features you wouldn't necessarily go down into much more detail uh, during a, a very fast-paced short inception. I mean, sometimes we've done this, right? Where for sprint one, you flush out a bit in more detail because yeah. you want to get people going so this is an interesting one do you think in an inception we should do non-functional requirements technical architecture or define the tech stack and path to production or infrastructure the inception with thoughtworks that was for five days we did that but that's because the client had an opinion on what tech stack to use etc and the team had their opinion and then we wanted to bring them on the same page so we did have sessions on those we didn't have one in my current company because i think that's an existing product and all of those was already established so i guess that's what makes a difference if yes if, some, if it's not established process then you should this discussion is actually mandatory totally agree with you if you haven't got it you definitely need to do it of course yeah. especially past production well otherwise you can't do anything right but especially exactly. past production we always think that's easier than it is your pipeline might be totally in place and you might just be reusing it so at that to your point it might just be validating it and if it's a new feature and you it's for the same team and they already work on that infrastructure and on that architecture well there's really no the given yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So that could be relatively lean then. Finally, to streamline delivery. So you've mentioned this a number of times now, dependencies. So just understanding what are we dependent on and what yeah. are we impacting those two sides of things. So mm-hmm. this could be like what? Like, give me. Can you give me an example of, of dependencies you've come across that, that are worth? Uh, well, one of the dependencies are the legal things that um, ah, yes. uh, in Germany, I think. A lot of <laughs> yeah. In um, the company that I'm working for, every application is a legal entity. So when one application talks to other applications, there's a lot of legal things that you need to clarify and make sure that you are within the contract of it. So our major dependency is when this product is speaking to another one, then we need to sign up a few things, basically, which is a kind of a dependency. Otherwise, we won't be able to speak to systems. We had, on my recent inception, a big dependency was, so the contracts with this new client to be onboarded onto the platform, they were just being drawn up 
So we hadn't even been allowed to talk to them at all. So we're like, whoa, okay, so let's see how that turns out. They need to work with us. They need to integrate, right? That is a massive dependency. Also then downstream dependencies on, if you think I mentioned an entire platform being rebuilt, yep. that is a, a, a big dependency because you, the architectural approach may be totally in flux and you may not know what to what to work against, right? And then risks, I mean, risk is the same thing, right? That's kind of coming out of dependencies and all the other things we've discussed. Right. I quickly normally look at ways of working. So this is, you know, how we how we work together as a team. Super important, yes. I mean, especially at the moment, right? We've seen this with coronavirus that people are more and more working from home, right? So do you have a remote working policy? I mean, we at Equal Experts have always been quite remote. I mean, I was supposed, as you know, I was supposed to fly to India. Um, that's <laughs> not gonna happen. And we've just said, well, let's just run this, try running this entire uh, masterclass I'm holding uh, remotely and see how this works. And we're very confident that this can actually be a good idea. Also will reduce, you know, carbon emissions. So maybe some of these things are the right thing to go more and more remote. And I understand you guys have started to explore remote working lightly. It's because it's not <laughs> something you do regularly, right? <laughs> it came as a shock. Um, basically did not know that before, but it's okay. Um... So because of the virus outbreak and stuff, there's going to be basically an experiment to work from home because the folks in the office have never done it. So they need to figure out how to remotely pair, what tools do they need? And this is something they did figure out uh, on Friday. That's yesterday. And so on Monday, there's going to be a dry run for work from home. And then they're going to take feedback and then see if there is a regulation that says people, all the offices should shut down, then they want to be prepared for it. It's a good thing. Um, because a lot so, of people yeah. are not used to it so uh, like you and me are super used to it <laughs> it's, yeah. it's just so what's the dryden right so if people are interested in learning a little bit more about remote working um, some of my colleagues at equal experts have written a playbook purely about remote working where they uh, discuss best practices and um, the tools that can be used and how to make these things easier and what to watch out for um, it's as always the 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 playbooks um, we've written are available for free under uh, www.playbook.ee. Um, so yeah, have a, have a look at that. Closing off the delivery. So we said we do dependencies and risks. We look at ways of working. This, of course, should also include things like, you know, how do you quality assure? What's your process for getting compliance? All these things. Who signs mm -hmm. off, um, etc. And then finally, I think what we do is, and I think you said this when you said scoping, either you do your story map and you're done with this because you know that this is, articulates your scope, or you might want to do a roadmap, which is maybe at a higher level, um, you know, mapping deliverables or features against bigger business milestones. This is usually kind of my final deliverable for, a, for an inception. And there is always a little bit of estimation in the story mapping and the road mapping exercise. I keep them very high level. Um, and then, of course, you need to make very clear that it's an estimate, not a definitive plan and most yep. likely subject to change. If you need more detailed epics or stories for Sprint 1, you may want to draw up a backlog for the next week to get the team going. This process is, is supported by the core tools playbook I've recently written, which explains every single of those tools. And there are examples and templates available. Link for download is in the show notes. Now, I guess to wrap this up, Swati, um, do you think going forwards we'll see more or less of those inceptions? Do you think as people get more, teams get more experience, they don't need them anymore? Or do we think that's just something that's there to stay and we should just feed this into the normal process? Because I feel it's, it's there to stay. It's, it's time very well spent. 
I agree with you. I think it's there to stay. Um, it serves the purpose, basically. And the purpose, like we defined in the beginning, is aligning people, which is actually a really difficult task. Uh, we may have variations of, I mean, using whatever you've listed, but in different ways. We may not use all of them. So I, I hope this was helpful. This is a very quick overview over a seemingly simple process, but I think it is not, if you haven't done it before, it's not that easy to get right. So you need the experience mm -hmm. to know what to watch out for and where to put the effort in and where to keep it lightweight. And I'm pretty sure we'll do, um, do more talks or podcasts around that topic. Um, we'll definitely want to do a longer one around a full-fledged inception at some point. We'll pull in all our previous colleagues um, if we can Yay. get everyone together. Yes. <laughs> um, cool. Until then, stay tuned and thank you very much. Thank you, everyone. That's it for today's episode. Have a look at our show notes with related information and details on how to get in touch at thebarnup.com. We are listener-driven, so please do send us your questions, comments, and ideas for new episodes. We're both practitioners and are happy to discuss interesting opportunities from consulting to coaching to getting involved in actual projects. For inquiries, please visit burnupmedia.com. This podcast is produced by Burnup Media Limited under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 license, which means you can share it as long as you give credit, but you cannot change it or make money of it. Until next time, thanks again for listening and have a wonderful day.